Hey, what's up, Cub fans? Welcome to episode 119 of Locked On Cubs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Ryan Davis, here again with Sean Sears, going to talk to you a little bit about yesterday's Cubs game and their latest offensive struggles. Then we'll talk a little bit about the guys who are really helping out, which are the old guys, and then we'll look at the NL Central. So how's it going, man? I'm doing good. Doing good. Uh, Had a nice win yesterday. We had a little bit of a rain delay, Uh, some flashbacks to some really good memories uh, for some of us. But yeah, it was a good one for the Cubs. Yeah, it was it was a victory, and that's what's important. It was right. low, low scoring. They won three to one over the Royals. Uh, Jacob Junis had his best start since May eighteenth. Uh, I looked up; it was a stat. Uh, he hadn't gone at least five innings with less than three earned runs uh, since May eighteenth, and yesterday, five innings, one earned run, eight strikeouts. Just like the epitome of the Cubs right now. Cole Hamels, but he wasn't particularly sharp. Um, but the good news is that he uh, was pitching against the Royals. Six innings, seven hits, one earned run, one walk, which surprised me because he had a lot of three-ball counts. Uh, just two strikeouts. Javi Baez homered to break the tie in the sixth inning, and that was pretty much it. So today's game features uh, Mike Montgomery and Royals rookie Brad Keller, who we talked a little bit about yesterday. He was listed on baseball reference as a reliever. That's because he had a 2.01 ERA as a reliever earlier this year. And then he was moved into the rotation at the end of May. Since then, he has made 11 starts with a 3.90 ERA, 60 innings, 41 strikeouts, 28 walks. Not great. So Monty has been up and down lately, uh, having a strong start against the Padres last time out. But he was pulled after five and a third innings and 79 pitches, having allowed zero earned runs at the time. So uh, let's talk about last night's game and the latest offensive struggles yeah the Cubs I mean it was frustrating because Jacob Junis had eight strikeouts against the Cubs and like you said got his best start of the year against the team that you know in all respect to the Royals and not to be mean to them but this is one of the worst teams in baseball the Cubs should have beat up on these guys and it just seems like unless Javier Baez is going to hit home runs the Cubs are going to have a tough time scoring runs right now um and it's frustrating because we do see some guys put together some good at bats where like the Cubs will string on, like maybe a couple, get a couple walks or maybe a single, like they put on two singles, uh, Elmora and then uh, whoever hit before him, I think it was uh, Russell slapped the ball to center. Elmora dropped the ball into right field. Um, the Cubs didn't score on that set though. It's just frustrating. Like they, it, there's plenty of times where the Cubs come up to bat, but the base is loaded. It happened, I think, twice this weekend against the Padres. They just don't seem to push these runs through, and it it just it, it seems like like Rizzo and Zobrist gets on base, or Hayward gets a walk, Baez strikes out sometimes, and then it's like whoever's behind those guys either like pops a ball through, or they ground out or strike out. It just gets frustrating. Uh, I get the way the lineup is constructed right now, and you know. Rizzo being the leadoff guy is what's been making this work, but it's just like, I I honestly think at some point it might be coming to an end soon, just because no one else is really hitting besides Rizzo and Baez. Uh, it's not working at the moment. Yeah, and you know, last night's game, if you look at the box score, it doesn't the uh, the individual box doesn't look as bad as the total runs scored. And uh, we should point out that one of the runs scored was because of a wild pitch that allowed uh, Zobrist to score from third. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the individual lines, so Rizzo wasn't great because he was 0 for 4. He had a walk, 
Uh, Zobris two for five with a triple. Uh, Hayward one for three with a walk, so got on two of his four plate appearances. Baez two for four with two RBI and a home run. Uh, Schwarber was 0 for 3. Contreras was 1 for 4. Hap was 0 for 4. He's really struggling. But mm-hmm. uh, Addison Russell 2 for 4. Almora 1 for 3 with a walk. So like it wasn't terrible. You got nine hits and uh, four walks. So you know like the essential like batting line it wasn't bad. It's just that you know they just seem to not be doing well in scoring situations where you have first and third one out or bases loaded one out or you know first and second one out those kinds of situations they just aren't able to get those runs across Mm -hmm. yeah it's been and that's been the way it's been all season it feels like to to an extent it seems like if the cubs had the option of pushing a ball into the gap or grinding out to second base it seems like the ground out for the double play down the inning has happened more often than the pushing the ball into the outfield. And that could just be the way pitchers are attacking you, but it, it's got to, you know, something it's got to give. I know, you know, it's a law of averages at some point, you know, it'll start to even out eventually. And I feel like the Cubs will get those situations. Cause like we've talked about it. I mean, like Addison Russell uh, the night before was like over four, but with three scorchers, like he said, just teed off on some balls. Like eventually those balls are going to find holes. Uh, eventually the Cubs are going to start scoring the runs. Like it's going to happen at some point. Um, Cause like you said, I mean, the offense right here, it points to a team that is doing productive things on the offensive side of the ball. They're not just sitting here all getting struck out. I mean, of course, you know, you look down Contreras and have both struck out seven times today. I mean, that helps or yesterday that helps Jacob Junis there. Um, but I, it, ugh, it, it just it's so frustrating because <laughs> because these guys are so good you know we know what they can do especially Schwarber as the DH you don't have to worry about the pitcher I thought this would be a game where we might see the Cubs score a good amount of runs um unfortunately you know it's Javier Baez knocking into and Zobra's scoring at a wild pitch but you know you got the win that's what's important um you hope though I mean like there's signs of life here it's just the Cubs either have to execute better or just get lucky, you know, and that's that's all it takes sometimes. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Ian Happ uh, yesterday, really bad game. Uh, his last 17 games, we talk a lot about the struggle recently of guys like Schwarber, Almora, mm-hmm. um, and Russell, but Ian Happ last 17 games, 60 plate appearances, 167 batting, 317 on base, 208 slugging, 22 strikeouts. He's been as bad as anybody lately. Um, they've just had these stretches where it seems like most of the team slumps. And it, I, somebody put up a stat, I think it was yesterday, and it was kind of just mocking the guy who put it out there, but um, that the Cubs are last in baseball in runners left on base per game or, or yeah, I think that's what it was. And, um, you know, the, the point was, well, the Padres are best in baseball and in, in not stranding runners, but that was because, um, you know, the Padres don't get anybody on base <laughs> and, and the Cubs are leading baseball and on base percentage. So it makes sense. But at the same time, it feels like the Cubs do strand more runners than the average team that they do seem to get runners on and just strand them and not score. But that's because the offense is so up and down. They, they have these stretches where for three or four days, they'll average 12 runs or 11 runs or something like that um, and just absolutely pound the competition for a few days. And then they go into these long stretches where it's like, God, please five runs today, at least (laughs) just get some runs across. And 
Uh, it seems like they've been in that that latter stretch of, you know, the, I think they scored five runs three days in a row um, against the Padres, which is maybe they scored six the last day. But, you know, that, that, that was on days where it was like really a really offensive day at Wrigley Field and they're scoring five, six runs, not like 10, 11 runs. That's what they used to do on those days was really pile on the runs and they just can't do it lately. And that that's the frustrating thing is just the inconsistency of the offense. Yeah, and you just you look at the lineup itself. It, it, you wouldn't think this Cubs offense would be as inconsistent as it is. I mean, there is a lot of strikeout guys, and you know we do have a lot of guys that can go and swing for the fences in moments. But you also have guys like Jason Hayward and Ben Zobrist who have just been picking apart. You know where the defense isn't essentially all year and been successful at it. Getting on base had a high clip. It means that we're seeing Zobrist batting over three hundred. He leads the team in batting average at this point. Um, you know, there, there's guys that do do that, and then there's guys like Rizzo, and you know, when hopefully when Chris Bryant comes back, that add that type of presence where they're always getting on base three or four times a game. It's just going to give the Cubs more opportunities to score and sliding everyone down. Maybe a spot in the and in the lineup helps too as well. So I, I don't know. You hope that when they're healthy, it fixes it. But for the moment, right now, the Cubs might. You know, there's no reason to think the Cubs can't break out and score 10 runs with the guys they have in this roster, especially with like David Bodie's having just a great season so far. I mean, small sample size, I guess you could say, but I mean, he's been great at the plate and he's hitting the crap out of the ball. <laughs> like his exit velocity, I don't think he he has like two balls that are under like 95 miles an hour. He's got more balls than 100 than he does below 100 right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. David Bodie's been great. Um, and it, it is a small sample, but it's also 74 plate appearances, which is. We're not talking 20 plate appearances here. We're talking, a, right. um, as, as far as small samples go, a decent chunk for a guy to be batting 328 with a 419 on base. Um, then you have uh, Zobrist, who's batting 311. Hayward, 283 with a 348 on base. Almora, 302. Uh, Baez, 302. I remember a time, and I feel like it wasn't that long ago, when people were talking about how the Cubs were a good offensive team but didn't hit for a high average, and people just kind of poo-pooed that because it was like, but they get on base and they hit for power. This team hits for a high average and gets on base, and they have a decent amount of power, but really it's been Baez with his 25 homers, Schorber with his 20 homers, Rizzo's hit 17, and beyond that, Chris Bryant has 11, Ian App has 12. These are guys who... You know, you, you think of as, you know, Hap maybe a 25 homer guy. Bryant, you think of as a 30 to 35 homer guy. Mm-hmm. Contreras has nine. He hit 21 last year. So, uh, Russell, five home runs. He hit 20 some home runs two years ago. So, this is a team that hasn't hit for the kind of power that you would expect, but they are hitting for a high average and getting on base. So, I feel like they're taking advantage of that kind of market inefficiency where most teams are kind of sacrificing average and striking out more to hit for power. The Cubs are going the other way, but it's weird how it hasn't led to more consistency because you do right. think of the teams that hit for high average and high on base as the teams that are more consistent. Yeah, that's that's 100% what, what, what you would think. You would think that would translate to more efficiency on offense, but it's not. It's just more inconsistency and it's frustrating, but I have noticed, I mean, the Cubs are trying to steal bases more. They did a hit and run earlier uh, with, um, it was before Elmore put that single with after Russell, uh, they did a hit and run with Elmore at the plate. I actually like that. Elmore pounds the ball on the ground to get him out recently and hasn't been able to get the ball in the air, put it on the ground and see if Russell can maybe steal third or take third on a steal um, rounding second. He's really good at that stuff. So I, I think it's interesting the way that Madden is trying to counteract maybe the lack of 
you know, power outage here with the Cubs, but it's not, it's not working sometimes. The Cubs just seem to, it's like, you know, Victor Carantini comes up with the bases loaded on Sunday and, you know, just slaps the ball to second base and that's the inning. It's just like, oh, you know, gosh, to see some pitches, I don't know, do something, swing at the strikes. I don't know. Ugh. It just seems like one or two things goes wrong in that lineup and or in that in that moment for that batter, and then suddenly they're fighting their way just to stay alive in that bat instead of take advantage of something that's coming their way. So I, hopefully we figure it out. We we forget this team is young to an extent still, but you know they're battle tested at this point. You think you know with the postseason not too far away, about a month or so out, you think the Cubs would be really stepping on the pedal here, but it's not necessarily happening. Yeah, well, uh, you mentioned the young guys. Uh, let's go ahead and transition to our second segment where we're going to talk about some old guys who have been uh, really doing the thing for them. Yesterday's game, uh, Zobers had a great game. Uh, Hamels started the game. We talked about how he wasn't necessarily sharp, but ended up, you know, six innings, uh, one earned run, uh, only walked one guy. So, I mean, decent game out of him, especially against the Royals, who apparently he has quite a bit of a success against. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's the older guys. Hamels is what thirty four, Zobrist is thirty seven. Um, other guys who are on the older side, like uh, Jesse Chavez, he's thirty four. He's been great since coming over. Mm-hmm. Um, Brandon Kinsler, I think, is thirty three. Yes. Uh, also, also has been very good in a very short period. I think he's only pitched like four innings, but no runs allowed, no hits allowed, or maybe a couple hits, but no no runs. So. Um, these are the guys who have been really helping lately, the the acquisitions, the older guys. Um, it, it feels like it should be the young guys doing all the heavy lifting because they're <laughs> not only younger and it's later in the season, but they are experienced young guys. And here we are with Cole Hamels really leading the way in the rotation at this point. So um, can they rely on these guys as the season goes on? Or, I mean, obviously the younger guys need to pick it up, but... You know, how how impressive, I guess, is Cole Hamels and Ben Zobrist? How impressive have these guys been? I mean, first off, Cole Hamels, I mean, I know we're talking about him not having necessarily the best start yesterday, but he was efficient. He did exactly what the Cubs need their pitchers to do, which is to go six innings and give them a chance to win these games. And, I mean, he did more than that. This is great. Uh, if this is Cole Hamels the rest of the season, I'll gladly take these. I mean, you know, only two strikeouts, that's fine. You know, I'm not necessarily expecting him to strike out nine every game or seven or whatever it was or in, he, uh, in his debut. But to go six innings was huge. Um, to really only have to use three relievers was was just great. That, that was fantastic to see. Uh, he looked okay. His location wasn't fantastic. You know, he probably looked a little bit better because it was the Royals. But he gives you exactly what you you needed out of a starter. Uh, huge relief to the bullpen at this point. Uh, when you talk about Ben Zilbers, the guy has just been doing everything right, it seems like. You know, he scores on a wild pitch. He clubs a home run. He hits a double. He just seems to constantly just do the things you need him to do in those moments. He, he's been great. Uh, I wish the Cubs could get him at bat more often when the bases are loaded instead of him being on first base <laughs> to start the rally. But, <laughs> you know. He's been exactly what the Cubs need, a little bit of a fire starter and just he does he it just seems like he has the right approach in the right moment. And I don't know if that's just him being, you know, a savvy vet, if it's just him being Ben Zilberst, if it's just him, you know, being a hot right now, but he's been so important to a player that I think a lot of us just assume, like, you know, if he contributes here and there, that's fine as a so so player or whatever, you know, every other day type of guy. But he's been essentially a starter for the Cubs and he's been great. 
Yeah, and um, another player I wanted to bring up that I think has been really good um, recently is uh, minus like maybe one bad outing um, was Pedro Strope. Uh, he's filled in from Brandon Morrow as the closer. It looks like since becoming the closer, he has uh, one blown save in like five uh, appearances as the closer. So he's he saved one, two, three, four, five, six with one blown save. Um, now he, he's been really good at shutting things down and, you know, really, uh, coming in and, and adding some stability to the end of the bullpen. That's a great point. Strope's been great. And apparently he even said, um, he went and talked to Baez who in his first two at-bats yesterday struck out. Um, he went up to him and, you know, kind of sat him down and talked to him and he was telling him to wake up, to wake up. And he said, he's going two for four. And he told Baez, you're going two for four. And he started, Baez started to respond and Strope just cut him off. He's like, no, two for four. <laughs> and then walked away. And of course, Baez homers and doubles and scores the two runs to give the Cubs the win. Um, he just, he impacts so much. And it was very obvious that, I mean, especially when the road trip happened and they all dressed like Pedro Strope, which if you have not seen pictures of yet, oh my God, go. Just so, so, good. Find, so good. Find you, Darvish. It's so funny. Um, but um it's just, it's great. I mean, his presence in that locker room is very much felt and he adds more than just being, you know, just a solid reliever. I mean, clearly he's stepping into the closer role and, and doing great so far. He's got eight saves on the season. Um, of course, I think three or four of those came before, you know, he stepped in for Morrow, but he's been great. He's taking that role. He's already kind of been, he's always kind of been that leader for that bullpen, like we've talked about and for some of the Latino players and whatnot, but he's stepping into a bigger leadership role. I feel like this year more so than, than he has ever, and I think the Cubs are really embracing his role there, just because it's it's something valuable that he adds. It just adds another level of value to Strope at this point. Yeah, and you know Strope, it, it's hard to quantify just how valuable he has been to the Cubs in his in his short career. I mean he he's never made that much money. He's always been kind of Mister Middle Reliever. He's 33 years old, which I don't think of him as that old. I think of him as a younger guy, but he's been around forever. Um, I think he made his big league debut in, what, 2009? Yeah. So so he's been around for a long time. Um, I know this is something I've talked about a lot. I know it's something that's been more prominent lately, talking about Strope. But career-high eight saves this year. He has a 274 ERA. ERA is not like the end-all, be-all of stats, but... Um, when you look at just how consistent he's been, um, every year as a Cub, over nine strikeouts per nine. Uh, he's had under four walks per nine every year, which is is a good number not to go over. He doesn't allow many hits. He doesn't allow a lot of home runs, despite what Cardinal fans probably think. He has an ERA under three every single year. As a Cub, he has a 272 ERA in 317 innings. This is, you know, I, I know a lot of people hate the stupid hat thing, but <laughs> <laughs> this is a guy who's been probably one of the best Cubs relievers of all time. Yeah, uh, Tony put out a Tony and Drag from NBC put out a, a stat just comparing Strope's ERA and WHIP since he came to Chicago. Uh, it's oh, his ERA has never been higher than two ninety one. Uh, his WHIP has never been higher than one eighteen. It's been at one point as low as point eight nine. His ERA has been as low as two twenty one. He's just been a stud. He's been exactly what you need out of a middle reliever. Uh, people, I think, kind of worry about him because he does have that slider that I think people 
get some Carlos Marmol PTSD from. And, you know, there are times where he can't locate that slider and he just becomes a fastball pitcher and that'll happen. Um, but he just, he's so effective. He's so with it. He's just the mentality he brings to each role he has. He's just been a great addition to this Cubs team. And I think, you know, if Jake Arrieta probably isn't included in that deal, we probably aren't talking about Strope as much, but I don't think he, I think he'd be a little more appreciated at that point, but because Jake Arrieta came and he won a Cy Young and, you know, won a world series with the Cubs or whatnot, uh, it kind of gets overshadowed a little bit, but he's easily just been one of the most valuable pieces the Epstein has brought to this Cubs team in this decade. Yeah, that's a really good point that uh, if Jake Arrieta is not involved in that deal, the Cubs still win that trade um, yeah. just based on how good and consistent Strope has been. And, you know, he was really good for the the Orioles in 2012, the year before. And I think that was a year that they went to the postseason. He had a 244 ERA, 70 appearances. Um, you know, he walked too many, didn't strike out that many. So wasn't exactly what you expect out of him, but he was good for them. And then I think the year before he was really good for the Texas Rangers and Baltimore Orioles 205 ERA in a very short amount of time. So a guy who's been around and has been very good, but they just came into a situation where the Orioles, he, he had a 725 ERA in 22 and a third innings at the mm-hmm. time of the trade. And they just kind of threw him in thinking like, we don't need this. He was 28 when they made that deal. I know well, it's crazy. That's, that's, <laughs> I, when I look at him, I think, oh, he's like 28, 29. He's 33. So, yeah, that just the situation fell the right way for the Cubs to make a move for him. You know, I'm looking at looking at his stats now. He made uh, two appearances against the Yankees in the ALDS in 2012 for the Orioles and didn't give up any runs. I mean, the, this is a guy who's been really good for a while and the, it just gets overlooked and it's it's border on criminal. It really is, honestly. I mean, looking at his stats, it's insane. I mean, he had a bad half season, and the Orioles shipped him off, and since then he's been nothing but a sub-three ERA pitcher with, you know, the potential of a 10-plus K per nine, you know, type of strikeout guy. He's been just a stud. He's been great. And, uh, I mean, just the things he brings to the clubhouse, the energy he brings, he's just got a – He's always he's just a, a big goofball that always puts everyone in a good mood. It's tough to walk around Pedro Strope and not you know put a smile on your face. I mean the guy has his number in his pool, like his pool <laughs> has like an end zone that just is Strope forty six, and <laughs> it's like he's just a, he's just a crazy person. But I love him. Yeah, and then uh, you look at his uh, postseason stats, which I have right here: uh, twenty one mm-hmm. appearances, eighteen and a third innings. He has a one ninety six ERA in the playoffs. So he's been about as trustworthy as anybody, really. Uh, made He pitched two innings in the World Series, didn't give up any runs, struck out two. Uh, just a really, really great pitcher. Yeah. It, it, underrated, underappreciated. Uh, not on the Lockdown Cubs podcast, though. We will always, always show Pedro Strope love. Um, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's interesting to see these these older guys contributing to the team, especially when we thought you know eventually these guys would be maybe phased out. Not so much Pedro Strope, but guys like Zobrist and you know some of these older pitchers. We thought I think Lester, I think we all assumed would probably be the fourth or fifth best pitcher on this roster or rotation, and now he's been an ace. I think we thought this may be the year that we see some of these older guys get phased out and these younger guys take a bigger role, but it hasn't necessarily worked out that way. You know, maybe it's injuries, maybe players aren't progressing the way we thought, but. 
thank God the Cubs have these veterans because tried and true, these guys are going to come out and do the things they need to do for the Cubs. And I think that's something you can rely on at this point. And I don't think it's an accident that when they went out at the trade deadline, they added a 33-year-old and two 34-year-olds, guys who have been around and um, maybe a little bit more reliable than what they have uh, on the younger side of the team. Yeah, that's an excellent point, too. I mean, you talk about these young teams and these young guys on this Cubs team. We, we Like, I, <laughs> I keep hammering this point here, but, you know, in my head, I was assuming, you know, this was the year that these young guys – come straight into the fold and we see these core guys turn into the, the main players on this Cubs team, not so much just being like, you know, the core of the future, but the core of the team now. And they are, but um, thank God they have these older guys here doing some of the heavy lifting. Cause you know, otherwise the Cubs would be in some serious trouble. Right. Yeah. It's really been Baez who's picked up the slack this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Albert, Albert Amora has had overall a very good year, despite a, a recent slump when you're still batting over 300 and you're in a prolonged slump. I, I think you can say you're having a good year. Um, a, a few of those guys have been really good. Jason, Hay- <clears throat> sorry, Jason Hayward's bounced back. So a, a few of the guys on the younger side um, you, you think of as having a decent year, but really uh, it's been few and far between. So if we can wrap on that, um, just thought it was pretty interesting. You, you brought that up before we came on that, um, Hamels and Zobrist have been having uh, really good games for the Cubs recently, and I kind of thought, man, it really is the older guys doing a lot of the heavy lifting lately. So um, that was an interesting conversation, I think. Uh, why don't we go to our third segment? We'll talk about the NL Central. So the Brewers were off last night, which means that the Cubs gained a half game on them. That's good news. The Pirates were shut out by the Rockies and Kyle Freeland to nothing while the Cardinals were also being shut out by the Marlins until the ninth inning when they scratched out a run against Kyle Bearclaw, a reliever we've talked about recently. Um, but Javi Guerra came in and finished it out by inducing Yadier Molina into a game-ending double play with the bases loaded for a Marlins 2-1 victory. The Reds lost once again, this time 6-4 six six against Noah Syndergaard and the Mets. So the standings are the Cubs are 65 and 47. They are one and a half games up on the Brewers, who are 65 and 50. The Cardinals are 58 and 55, seven and a half back. The Pirates are 57 and 56, eight and a half back. And the Reds are 49 and 64, 16 and a half back. It feels like the Reds have been stuck at like 48, 49 wins for a really long time. It does. Yeah. I feel like we were talking about them getting close to 500 about two weeks ago and no uh, they have not made much progress to that sense <laughs> um, right so unfortunately for the cubs uh, whatever they're not much of a factor anyways i guess <laughs> this reds team reminds me a lot and and this is me uh showing off how much older i am than you they remind me of the 2000 cubs team that i believe finished in last place and won like 65 games but there was they got up to an, a ridiculously awful start and there was a period of time about the same as the Reds have now where they just went on a ridiculous run. And I think they got within like eight games of 500. And there was talk, just kind of like early talk of like, hey, maybe this team might make a push for the playoffs. I'm going to have to look it up while we talk. But yeah. um, like they, they got within like maybe five or six games of the division lead, which was the Cardinals. And it was like, holy crap this team might do it. And then all of a sudden it was just like, nope, falling apart again. <laughs> and then end up in last place. Dude, but still, I mean, yeah, that, that looking here, they were 
33 and 51 at one point and then after a very long run they were 50 and 56 mm. so so that means they were what um like 17 and 5 over a stretch yeah probably one of the and hottest then, teams in baseball at that point yeah so uh and then you know, oh i was i was a little off even though they were still eight and a half games out of first place but uh-huh. uh, they they trimmed down from uh seven, 17 games to eight and a half honestly i mean that's impressive <laughs> i mean especially i mean when you're talking about this is pre-world series cub uh wins i mean I would be excited if the Cubs went on some crazy stretch and it's not hard for me, especially thinking of myself at that age, at that point to fathom the Cubs being able to, well, it's only eight and a half games. Now we, we just lowered it by half, blah, 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 blah. you know what I mean? <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were on like this ridiculous hot stretch for 17 and five and like the rest of the division wasn't exactly running away with it. And yeah, that was, um, yeah, it didn't work out from there, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they finished 30 games out of first place. Yeah. I keep looking at the uh, the NL East, and I just keep wondering, you know, I mean, the Phillies in Atlanta, if the Braves just keep flipping through, it feels like they keep trading off in first place while the Nationals just continue to, like, <laughs> punch themselves in the foot. I, <laughs> you just got to think. I mean, like, from going from, like, maybe trading Bryce Harper to committing to this team 18 hours, like, a difference between the two, it's just, like, uh, I <laughs> the NL East just makes no sense to me. I I don't get it. I, I get why the Phillies and the the Braves are good. I I don't understand what's wrong with the Nationals outside of Bryce Harper not doing well. Um, Max Scherzer keeps mowing guys down. It just seems like parts of this team are doing very much elite baseball things, but other parts are just doing the worst baseball things. I don't know. I just keep looking at them and thinking like, God, they should really just they could step on the pedal and be in this situation only five and a half out. But yeah, no, nothing, nothing's happening over there. The same situation every day. <laughs> yeah, the um, the National League in general is just bad, and I, really it's are. just it, it's hard for me. I, it, they're bad. I don't want to say they're bad, but they are. It, it's just <sighs> when you look at like uh, the Oakland A's, the Oakland A's, and I know I've said this kind of thing before. The Oakland A's would be the best team in the National League right now. Who would have thought that you'd be able to say that? And the A's are a good team. They're 21 games over 500. You wouldn't have expected that they were going to be this good. Um, But they're four and a half out in their own division. They're, uh, I think, three games out uh, of the first wild card spot. They hold the second wild card spot right now. The Seattle Mariners, um, I think, are a half game behind the Cubs in the overall standings. And, and they're two games out of the wild card. So they're a team that, you know, would be in the National League, they'd be competing uh, for the NL Central, which is the best division, I think, clearly, or at least uh, the most top-heavy. Yeah. They'd be competing in that division. They'd be leading the other two divisions. And not only are they six and a half out in their own division, they're not even in the wild card hunt at this point. Or they're in the hunt, but they're not, like, holding a wild card spot. So there's going to be one team in the American League that – misses the playoffs entirely that probably could come out of the national league if they were if they were there it's just the the balance is ridiculous at this point 
Well, it's insane to me that the Yankees are like almost 30 games over 500 and are nine games out of their division because of how good Boston's been. It's just like, I mean, the Yankees would head and shoulders. I mean, they would have a four game lead on the Cubs (laughs) if they came into the central, but they're nine games out of first place in the East. It's just like, it's insane how much better. I mean, disregard the, the AL central, but the AL West and the East have been (laughs) this year. It, it, it's just, uh, Insane. I actually I wrote the season preview for Fansided for uh, the Athletics, and I I said that I thought the Athletics could be a pretty good team. I thought like eighty to eighty five wins was a really good season for them, and you know maybe they push for a wild card with that. But I, oh my god, like they're gonna they're gonna win ninety games, like they're really close to it, at least like eighty nine something like that. I mean, just crazy to see how much better the AL is in the NL right now. But yeah. Um- the Red Sox, I thought, were on pace. They must they must have come down to earth a little bit recently. But um, well, it looks like they're still on a really good stretch. Uh, for a while, I thought they were on pace for like um, 110 wins or something like that. I just looked up. It's only about 105 at this point. Maybe it's just because they lost like, uh, you know, like three out of five at one point recently. <laughs> I don't know. Only, only 105. <laughs> yeah. But they they just swept the Yankees in a four game series. Yes, they did. I was gonna say they they just be, and they beat up on them. I know I, Ben Attendee had a walk off. I know in one of those games. But there's a couple games where like the, the the Red Sox like just slacked them. Like went up six runs. I know there was an inning. I think it was like the seventh inning. The the Red Sox scored four runs, being down like two or something like that. So they took the lead and ended up scoring three more runs in the next inning. They just they just turn it on and it's guys like Steven Pierce are coming out of nowhere and clubbing like five home runs in a week. And Mookie Betts has just of course been Mookie Betts, but they just get these contributors just coming out of nowhere. Jackie Bradley Jr. Grabbing every ball in his vicinity. Like it, they just, they're, they're a fun team to watch. They're a lot of fun. I, I caught a little bit of the game on uh, Sunday night baseball for a little bit uh, with the Yankees and Red Sox. And there's a, a fun team to watch. Um, I'm excited to see the Red Sox coming. Cause I always feel like they're like the favorites always at the Yale last couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. And then they come into their first postseason and just, just looks like ugh, like garbage. They don't look very good. They're not exciting. They can't hit. Pitchers fall apart. Um, this, I'm hoping, is one of the years that the Red Sox are one of the teams that are sticking around a little bit later because I'd love to see them face off against Houston. Yeah, I'd like, I'd like to see that as an ALCS. I'd also uh, personally love a Cubs-Red Sox World Series. Uh, even that. though the the luster is gone a little bit because the Cubs did win the world series and the, you know, the Red Sox obviously in 2004 kind of broke through. Um, I, I thought back in Oh three <laughs> that that would have been like the perfect world series when they were both in the uh, division or in the championship series. Right. Like, yes. Yes. Cubs, Red Sox, do it, do it, do it. And then it was Yankees, Marlins. And it's like, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> team everyone hates and a team that didn't, people didn't know existed until two years ago. Oh wait, they did only exist two years ago. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, it, uh, that would have been awesome. I would have been very excited. I was rooting for in 2016. I was hoping to be Cubs, Red Sox, but I was okay with the Cubs Indians. Clearly uh, the result turned out to be great, but it was also just a fun series. So I'm hoping yeah. for the last, honestly, the last two world series have been great. Uh, hard to complain mm-hmm. about either one of them. Right. Yeah. Both seven games, both, uh, you know, kind of like, uh, down to the wire kind of finishes. Yeah. I really, the 2016 world series is just great overall, but, um, yeah, yeah it's been, 
it's been very good the last few years and i i think it'll still still be pretty good this year i, I think whoever comes out of the national league will still hold their own even though the american league is is very good um if it, if it weren't for just being a locked on cubs podcast and having to say i would i want to see the cubs in the world series um i would really love to see a matchup like the oakland a's versus the phillies or braves that, that'd be really cool Oakland's qu- quietly turned into my second favorite team. I, I love yeah. the Athletics. <laughs> yeah, I've always liked the A's just because they're. I when I was a kid, I thought their jerseys were really cool. Oh, of course. But uh, yeah, I'd love to see like ooh, like the like the A's versus the Brewers. That'd be fun. Yeah, uh, I know every Cubs fan just cringed hearing that. But. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Um, quickly here before we uh, before we tip dip out here, I know the Cubs finish up the series with the Royals, then go to the Nationals, um, who just signed Greg Holland apparently. Nice. Yeah, Excellent. so uh, things are looking up like Millhouse for the Cubs over here with the Nationals coming into town. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's coming up, Millhouse. Thank you. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> <laughs>